Our Advent theme this year, our sermon series, has been called Make Room for Christmas. When Catherine and Rich and I ran across this idea of making room, we loved it because we hear year after year how often frazzled and hurried the season is for all of us and how we say every year, next year will be the year that I slow down enough to actually embrace the real spirit and meaning of the season. So our hope is that even if just for an hour on Sunday mornings that you take a deep breath and you rest in the presence of God and a loving community and experience a deeper sense of the anticipation of the coming of the Christ child, that you will make room this season for the audacious possibility of hope, peace, joy, and love. Well, Rich began that series, the first Sunday of Advent, inspiring us to pause and make room for hope. And last week, he reminded us to make room for peace that begins with our families and in our own homes. And this week, Rich and Catherine and I will offer reflections by other authors that speak to making room for joy. The reality is, of course, that at this time of year, it can actually be a time of sadness and sorrow. And we hope our reflections honor all of the mixed emotions that wash over us in this season. And our prayer is that you know that we walk with you on your journey, in joy and in sorrow, and we are always open to offer you support of pastoral care. The reflection that I chose is written by leaders of the silent retreats that I often go on. Gail Donahue and Joan Kelly send a weekly devotion that helps keep me centered in Christ between those retreats. And so here is their reflection on how we might make room for joy. It begins with this quote from Diana Buher. Happiness happens from the outside. It depends on other people, events, and results. Joy bubbles up from inside. It originates with attitude. Happiness is in the circumstances. Joy is in the heart. Happiness may not happen. Joy is a promise from God. Joan and Gail write more. As the days get shorter and the days seem to get more gray and cold, I can sometimes find my happiness bucket leaking a bit. When things just don't work out the way I'd hoped in a situation, my cheerful meter, meter tends to turn. Some days, life is just plain hard, and people disappoint. Plans don't work out, the world feels scary and out of control, and honestly, it feels like I can't find happiness anywhere. Well, I had a couple of days like that this past week. On those days, in the in-between places, the moments of quiet before the next shower of thoughts or bombardment of activity hit me, I heard the familiar voice of the Holy Spirit whispering God's truth into my soul. I heard God reminding me that happiness is fleeting, but the joy of the Lord can be constant in all circumstances, whether good or bad. And God brought to mind Psalm 16. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand 
our pleasures forevermore. The Holy Spirit gently reminds me that my joy does not have to be dependent on the weather or on the ever-changing landscape of my life, but that I can find joy in God. God reminds me that I am God's child and God's spirit dwells within me always. God is my source of joy, no matter what my circumstances might be. God is with me in courage and in strength, gentleness and patience, always guiding me, strengthening me, mourning with me, celebrating with me, forming me, using me in purposeful ways and making me into God's likeness. That, my friends, produces true joy. I love to be happy, just like everyone else, but I want to live in the promise of God's abiding joy even more. Scripture from John 15 reminds us, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. May the joy of God be our strength and fullness in all our days ahead. Amen. My reflection begins with words that were written by the poet Christian Wyman and are excerpted from the spiritual memoir he wrote in the wake of his cancer diagnosis. He writes, sorrow is so woven through us so much a part of our souls, or at least any understanding of our souls that we are able to attain, that every experience is dyed with its color. This is why even in moments of joy, part of that joy is the seams of ore that are our sorrow. They burn darkly and beautifully in the midst of joy and they make joy the complete experience that it is, but they still burn. These are difficult words, beautiful words, but difficult words. There is a phrase that almost defies comprehension, especially when heard aloud. The syntax is so complicated. The seams of ore that are our sorrow. It's also hard to read. Thankfully, the quote is brief enough that I can get away with reading it again. So much is my desire for you to hear and receive these words. Sorrow is so woven through us, so much a part of our souls, or at least any understanding of our souls that we are able to attain, that every experience is dyed with its color. This is why even in moments of joy, part of that joy is the seams of ore that are our sorrow. They burn darkly and beautifully in the midst of joy, and they make joy the complete experience that it is, but they still burn. 
Perhaps it doesn't seem right to read, let alone reread, a passage that dwells on sorrow on the Sunday we celebrate joy. But suffering doesn't subside for the holidays. Grief doesn't cooperate with the calendar. Heartache doesn't take a hiatus just because it's nearly Christmas. Sorrow is indeed woven through us. It was certainly woven through the church this week. On Tuesday, Hunter Wiggins and Doug Hochstetler shared a harrowing update on the situation at the southern border. While the detention of asylum seekers and the separation of families has dropped from the top of the news cycle, conditions are worse than ever. And then on Thursday, we welcomed a renowned grief therapist to lead our community in hard and holy conversations about sudden loss. Meanwhile, not a day goes by that your pastors don't sit with someone in crisis. Here's what I know. Sweeping hard things under the proverbial rug does not make room for joy. It might create space for false cheer and counterfeit happiness, but not joy. To make room for joy, you must make room for sorrow. One more brief reading from another poet, Madeline Lingle. First coming. He did not wait till the world was ready, till men and nations were at peace. He came when the heavens were unsteady and prisoners cried out for release. He did not wait for the perfect time. He came when the need was deep and great. He dined with sinners in their grime, turned water into wine. He did not wait till hearts were pure. In joy, he came to a tarnished world of sin and doubt, to a world like ours of anguished shame. He came, and his light would not go out. He came to a world which did not mesh to heal its tangles, shield its scorn. In the mystery of the word made flesh, the maker of the stars was born. We cannot wait till the world is sane to raise our songs with joyful voice, for to share our grief, to touch our pain. He came with love. Rejoice, rejoice. Let us join our voices in singing the second verse of Joy to the World, rising in body or in spirit. I have two readings. The first is from C.S. Lewis, and he describes joy that he, as best as he's able, from a past experience, and then compares it to happiness. The second reading I'll introduce in a moment. I call it joy, C.S. Lewis began, as I stood beside a flowering berry bush on a summer day. 
Then there arose in me without warning, and as if from a depth not of years, but of centuries, the memory of that earlier morning at the old house when my brother and I picked berries in the garden. It is difficult to find words strong enough for the sensation which came over me. The poet Milton's enormous bliss of Eden, giving the full and ancient meaning to enormous. That comes somewhere near it. It was a sensation. I call it joy, which is here a technical term and must be sharply distinguished from happiness. Joy, in my sense, has indeed one characteristic and one only in common with happiness. The fact that anyone who has experienced either will want them again. But I doubt, I doubt whether anyone who has tasted joy would ever, if both were in his power, exchange joy for all the happiness in the world. But then joy is never in our power and happiness often is. The second reading is one person's wish for a joyous and Merry Christmas to folk that we may not always remember or think of. This Christmas greeting appeared in The New Yorker in 1952 and was authored by E.B. White. From this high midtown hall, undecked with bows, unfortified with mistletoe, we send forth our tinsel greetings as of old to friends, to readers, to strangers of many conditions in many places. A joyous Christmas to uncertified accountants, to tellers who have made a mistake in addition, to girls who have made a mistake in judgment, to grounded airline passengers, and to all those who can't eat clams. Merry Christmas and joy to intellectuals and other despised minorities. Merry Christmas to men whose shoes don't fit and greetings to wives who can't find their glasses and to poets who can't find their rhymes. Merry Christmas to the unloved and misunderstood Joy to the authors of books whose titles begin with the words, how to, as though they knew. <laughs> Merry Christmas and greetings to people with a ringing in their ears. Greetings to the growers of gourds, to shears of sheep, and to the makers of change in lonely toll booths. Merry Christmas to old men asleep in libraries and young lovers who got nothing in the mail. A joyous Yule to Cadillac owners whose conduct is unworthy of their car. <laughs> Merry Christmas to the defeated, the forgotten, the inept. Joy to all dandy prats and bunglers. We send most particularly and most hopefully our greetings and our prayers to soldiers on land and sea and in the air the young men and women doing the hardest things at the hardest time of life. Merry Christmas to couples unhappy in doorways. 
Merry Christmas to all who think they're in love but aren't sure. Greetings to people waiting for trains that will take them in the wrong direction. To people doing up a bundle and the string is too short. Merry Christmas to children with sleds and no snow. We greet ministers who can't think of a moral, gag men who can't think of a joke, and last, joy. Joy to all skaters on small frozen ponds at the end edge of woods toward the end of the afternoon. Joyous Christmas, skaters. Ring steel, grow red sky, die down wind. Merry Christmas to all and to all a good morrow.